Good evening and welcome to Slam the Gavel, the show that tells it all regarding family court, other court issues, as well as CPS. I'm your host, Marianne Petrie, and since 2016, Monica Shimonik has been coaching moms and dads as they navigate through the treacherous waters of the family law racket. Aside from workshops, which helps with specific problems, her 12-week signature course, The Best Interest of the Parent, uses a four-quadrant model to create a robust healing and empowerment system so that you control the narrative in your life, not the state. Use coupon code SLAMTHEGAVEL to get 10% off the course, and that will be in the Uh, podcast notes. Right now, I have a guest. Her name is Mary Bush. Mary Bush received no due process in a case that lasted 12 years involving her mother in a guardianship. Advanced directives or wills do not matter even if they are notarized. Guardianships are unconstitutional acts upon vulnerable persons where inalienable rights are not transferable. In Season 2, Episode 100, Attorney Barbara Stone discussed guardianships on Slam the Gavel podcast, as well as Dr. Sheila Owens-Collins in Season 2, Episode 51. Mary will tell us this all began in 2004 when her father died of a stroke and her two brothers took control over the estate. Then they put their own mother into a nursing home and proceeded to cut off all communication Mary Bush was purposely kept away from her own mother, even as she was dying. Mary Bush was threatened while in the nursing home trying to protect her mother. When Mary Bush went pro se and made a record, which holds the evidence, the court then created a false dialogue saying that Mary's mother had Alzheimer's. That judge did not even lay eyes on her mother to make a proper decision, and all that began in 2011. And Mary Bush became the respondent. So I will welcome Mary Bush to tell her story. And uh, how are you doing, Mary Bush? Hi, thanks, Marianne. Thanks for having me. Um, it's a long 12-year story that ended up in, in my mother being isolated for the last five years, basically. Mm-hmm. And she died alone in a nursing home being controlled by her son, Michael Bush, who um, I had removed, got him removed as a guardian, but the judge in the case, Judge Catherine Platt, against a superior court order, put it back. So as like every guardianship, it starts off with somebody filing something with somebody, and my brothers filed uh, for guardianship on my mom in 2009 after she had sued them to get um, some of her money back in 2007. Mm-hmm. So used the same attorney, his name is Alex Joukowsky. Um, he had put in the records, false, falsified records that she lacked capacity to 2004. And um, in falsifying the records, he knows he opposed her in 2007. And then they waited to 2009 and the guardianship proceedings started. Uh, they never summons my mom to court. So she um, did not get any due process. But what they ended up doing is I became the replacement. And through that, <laughs> she assigned the two sons that my mom removed in 2005 uh, as guardians. And it was just nonstop chaos ever since. And the judge in the case, Judge Catherine Platt, um, deliberately 
created a 39-page smear of me that has been reproduced, sent to every entity, every doctor of my mom's. Even the grocery store had it. And it's a false narrative that has lived for the past 12 years. It, it continues on. And I fought it by, I thought by hiring a lawyer to protect my interests, but he didn't do it. Um, then I had lost all my life savings and I had to go pro se. And when I went pro se, I just started just making a record. And um, because no one ever gets out of guardianship, uh, it's permanent. Mm -hmm. Once they put you in, it's permanent. And um, my mother went through a serious, uh, heinous uh, human rights violations that occurred. She had the 14 advanced directives that were dismissed. Um, her attorney came in and testified for her and said she, she had capacity. Uh, Judge Catherine Platt uh, would not let her, my mom's real doctors testify. They actually had a court-appointed uh, uh, person who met her for probably an hour. And then he, he said that she lacked capacity. And he didn't look into any of her medical stuff, nothing. He just, you know, he even said he based uh, his decision on what the sons were saying. So then the judge comes out and claims that my mom has Alzheimer's. And um, that's uh, an unqualified medical diagnosis coming from a judge. Yes. And um, so then they continued on. And in, the, in 12 years, in and out of court, um, uh, I'm, the judge had me evicted from the home. She, wow, well, let me back up a little bit. Me and my mom were living together. The house was titled to me. Um, she, Judge Catherine Platt, without jurisdiction, because the case went into appeal, she had me marshaled down to the recorder's office and signed the property back to my mom. And, and then and going further too, she even took my vehicles from me because my parent had owned a truck like 11, 12 years prior. So I owned the vehicle for that period of time. And she said, oh, yeah, you're signing that back, too. So I lost my truck. I lost my home. Uh, my brother, Michael, moved in. And within a month, he, uh, had, he had digitally penetrated her. He admitted in court that he did it. And this began a, a cascade of insane things that was happening to my mom, where she just began to shut down, shut down. Then in May of 2015, the Department of Aging just walks in with a court order signed by Mark Tunnell, who was my mother's attorney, but he became a judge. He never withdrew from the case, but he wrote an order to take her out. And they put her in cops and home, which the quality of care just wasn't there. They worked to assimilate her into the system by forcing her into a reclined jerry chair. And in that, they immediately took her um, dentures and anything else that she could normally have to function in life. 
and they would recline the jerry chair and when she tried to swing her legs out to get out of it and she wanted to walk because she could walk um they would pat her in i've got video i mean picture evidence of just how bad they patted her in so they intentionally crippled her and i kept i i had medical power attorney i kept going in and checking on her and documenting things and i would turn from cops at home into the pa health department where they would go in and they'd find my mother sitting in her own feces and other problems. And then uh, the court appointed uh, Carol J. Hershey, who is a business owner. And her business own ownership is she can be a guardian. And now in the state of Pennsylvania, guardians are not licensed. Uh, they're not even mandated to have any kind of certificate or nothing. And in Pennsylvania, your hairdresser is licensed and regulated by the state. So Carol Hershey moved my mom to Park Lane at Bellingham. And I was visiting her every day, every single day. But then I started noticing things and I would report them. Um, they, they refused to let me have her medical records, even though I was the medical power of attorney. And um, from there, I saw that she had something wrong and I had to get her out uh, in January of 2016 via 911 to the hospital. Mm -hmm. Fractured leg, she had heart problems and other things going on. She was in the hospital for about four days. So then Carol Hershey sends her employee in uh, and they take her back to Park Lane. So I began visiting her every day again. And then uh, I think it was January 27th, um, they confronted me and said, you're no longer going to see your mother. And the, the administrator of the nursing home said, I'm sorry, honey, you're no longer a daughter. You're a trespasser. So they called me a trespasser, even though I had a legal medical power of attorney. And that medical power of attorney survives guardianship up until they changed the law in July of 2016. Then the judge could remove it. But before that, she could. Mm. So my medical power of attorney was not removed until 2018. But I, it had no force in effect because I was blocked in every way. And after I got my mom to the hospital, they retaliated. And I called the health department again. So a month later, the health department goes in and cites them. And um, I tried everything. I tried filing to get her out. I tried, you know, uh, suing the nursing home personnel. But the day that they confronted me, I was, I called the police. And instead of the police helping, because I was reporting all the injuries, I was showing them the records from the Pennsylvania Health Department. Uh, the cop followed me out. He said I had to leave. He followed me out, and I got beat up in the parking lot. And I ended up in the hospital. I'm and, so sorry. Yeah, and it was ridiculous. So now I'm permanently, I have permanent spinal injury from that. Uh, when I recovered somewhat, I continued on pro se. And this attorney, Alex Joukowsky, kept filing things in the orphan's court. He kept this going because he profited from it. And I was always the target after that. I was, I was like a replacement respondent in the guardianship. 
And um, fast forward to now and what's happened um, when my brother Michael was guardian, I, I got him removed. I actually went pro se to the Superior Court, argued in front of a three-judge panel, telling the three-judge panel of all the bizarre things that my mom was be putting through. He would give her breast exams, pubic exams every day and night. He kept a, a notebook where he was making drawings in. There was things in the house that was chained. Um, he, his bizarre behavior was never questioned by the court because using someone like him, the court people that are attorneys and judges can access that money. And what I found out by learning you know, the law around guardianship on my own is the representation I had at the original attorney was, it was, he, he had to be in on it because I lost everything having that guy as an attorney. And um, it made it so hard for me to go forward because I wasn't properly represented. So all I could do is continually make the record. So if our case gets a investigation whatsoever, all they have to look is all the documents I filed and things like that. And, and I learned that if you file an affidavit and it goes uncontested, it is supposed to become the record and it is supposed to be evidence in the record. So I filed a, a probably a 50 something page affidavit, 58 page affidavit in the Chester County Court and it went uncontested, but it's still no one's honoring that. I, I looked further into how Judge Catherine Platt had any ability to access the trust. She didn't. She didn't have jurisdiction in the Chester County rules. She had to have that trust filed in the orphan's court um, and register of wills, and it was never filed. So she participated in emptying a million dollar trust by giving it to Joseph Bush without jurisdiction. Nobody does anything about it. Um, she didn't have jurisdiction to remove my medical power of attorney until she figured it out in 2018 when she put Michael back as a guardian after Carol Hershey quit because I was investigating her and finding things like on the day my mom had a cardiology visit, uh, Carol Hershey was in a park photographing her shadow in the moonlight. And I actually put that in my petition. I said, here's the court appointed guardian that needs to be medically aware of what's going on with her person. And she's up at Slate Run Park photographing her shadow in the moonlight. So then they, they started accusing me. Well, what are you doing? Stalking these people? No, these people were at, putting their disinformation on Facebook and social media and everything like that. It's out there for the public to see. It's just you gotta, you gotta go and look for it. So I did that. And I was finding that these things weren't happening. So in 2016, when I got my mom to the hospital, she was supposed to return to the cardiologist with tests done and things like that. They brought her in. And then they made a list of tests that need to be done in a time period she would be brought back. They never brought her back. After January of 2016, she never saw her cardiologist again. Um, 
and then she was also supposed to go back to her urologist because she had kidney stones. Never brought back. Um, she never got back to see her regular doctor, nothing. These parasitic doctors that are in nursing homes take over and these nursing homes are charging when they started calling my mom a cash cow. And I'm like, what's a cash cow? And they said, the, they're the people who pay cash to be here. So the charges were like $14,000 a month. So my mom was paying for the neglect. And after they stopped me in January, 2016 from seeing my mom, I never really saw her again. Um, for at least a year or more. And then finally, Judge Catherine Platt made this heinous, uh, intimidating, intentionally intimidating uh, court order that I could see my mom if my mom pays and I pay to go once a month to the Chester County government building with an adult protective supervisor present with a sheriff with a gun. So we got one hour where my mom was so intimidated, she was afraid to speak, and it, it was awful. Mm. And um, then uh, my brother uh, got involved. They said, oh, there's no more money to transport mom. Then COVID, uh, I didn't get to see her. And then Judge Platt, I think it was in 2018, put Michael back against the Superior Court order as a guardian, he moved her secretly to Green Meadows in Malvern. Green Meadows in Malvern, I found out that she was there. We had uh, an ADA advocate um, find her. And then they began to say, she's not there. They would hang up on me when I call and they said, there's no Genevieve Bush here. So finally we got that nonsense stopped. And um, the Department of Aging made it so I could have like a once a month, one hour Zoom thing. So they would put the camera on mom. They wouldn't show her how to use any devices or anything. And, and then they had, she had a roommate that was using the F-bomb, you know, and, and we couldn't even talk because the roommate was F this, F you, you're a effer, you know, blah, blah, blah. And they deliberately put that person in with mom because mom, stop speaking so they knew that the person who was combative and vulgar would just rave and my mom would stay quiet because that's what she was quiet and passive so that was torture for her every day on the zoom things i could see her hair not washed stuff under her fingernails her fingers getting rigid uh, and she was always in a bed always in like a nightgown, never really dressed or anything like that. And I started trying to find complaints. She also had cancer on her face that spread from her cheek up into her eye and nobody would do anything about it, nothing. Um, so with the ongoing neglect, um, she finally succumbed to it uh, around June 16th and I the way I found out about it is I got an email from Michael mom's dead so I went into action to find out what was going on I had some help with the ADA advocate and uh, another girlfriend 
and we found out that um, the property was sold because they knew my mother was going to pass. Evidently, my mother was put in hospice, and I wasn't notified. I was her uh, power attorney under her living will. Nobody called me. Uh, evidently, she was put in hospice. It was kept secret. And in keeping it secret, they, they sold the property. So the property wasn't sold for her care. And this property is, um, is the house that I own that the court unlawfully took. And um, the people who bought it was, is Cameron Adams and Lauren Adams, and they're known to be house flippers. And um, they, they knew all my things were in the house. Cameron Adams said that he's going to take all my things out of the house, put them in the driveway, and piss all over them. So he made a he made a verbal admittance that he knew that the house was full of my things and I had I had a court order that I could get it back. I had made multiple claims on the stuff to get back. I never got it back. And um, so it happens that um, usually if you report a property or something in the Chester County Recorder's uh, office, it takes a while. But this property got reported on June 15th. My mom dies June 16th. And then Joseph and Michael signed papers to file on the 17th to get the money. So there's a specific pattern there that is alarming. And um, nobody's doing anything. Right. We had talked earlier, and um, I'm sorry there's all this Zoom interference, um, but we had talked earlier that they sold the property for less than what it was worth. Correct. Um, me and my mom had worked to fix up the house. We worked like five years. We put the best the best in there that we could because we were going to live our life out together. And um, they sold it for 480 which is probably the worth of the house and it comes with 15 acres so the Cameron Adams got about a million dollars for free and plus all the stuff in the house so I I ended up still in the court I filed a, a lawsuit against them and the court is protecting them and this past weekend I've been watching people pull up with trucks trailers and I'm watching our things go down the road uh, it, it even happened today. There was people over there with trucks loading up and taking. And nobody's stopping this. And I even, when I called the state police, I told them I have receipts. I, I, you know, the stuff is mine. They're standing down. They're doing nothing. And actually, we've had a problem lately. The, the state police began to harass me because they have the person who has the property, Cameron Adams, um, false police reports so they have police come and they're banging on my door you know in the middle of the day one came at night and was banging it's frightening and I firmly believe that all these people are I've, I've proven connections I've proven that Alex Joukowsky's in-laws are right next door to the people uh, Cameron Adams parents 
who in that who know that this property was for sale. So they're all connected in some way, but you can't get anybody to investigate anything. And I decided to go more public with what's going on because the way the courts are doing this and the lawyers that are involved, the, the judge has the ultimate say to stop this stuff. And they don't do it. They don't do it in, in divorce cases. They don't do it in any other cases. They, the law community likes to keep the litigation going. That's how they make money. Adult Protective Services makes federal grant money when they claim they have another client. My mom, there was no reason for her to be a client. There was no reason for her to be taken out of her home. She was punched by either a caregiver or my brother. They didn't, they didn't investigate that. What they did instead is they took her because she's the cash cow. So in a normal circumstance, the police would go in and investigate who punched the old lady. But in guardianship, it's like, no, we're taking her. So they took her and she never came home. And when she died, I, when I found out, I actually filed in court for an injunction to stop the burial because they were going to bury her the next day. And I filed an injunction and then the court, Judge Catherine Platt, same judge, started making demands on my injunction that I had to write the injunction basically the way she wanted. So I filed it three separate times, and then I didn't hear anything on the third. And because I know the behavior of Judge Catherine Platt, I would visit the cemetery every single day. And then on July 1st, I found the ground where they dumped her. So they took my mother and dumped her like a piece of garbage. No funeral. I have her dress. I have everything. They just dumped her. And the day before, I actually went to the funeral home and asked if I could see her, and they, they refused. They would not let me see my own mother. So she did funeral oh, nothing. That's terrible. I am so sorry that they, even the funeral home was involved in it. Yes. Yes, they all made money. The funeral home, Delvacchia in Westchester, for, for a dumping of a body, we got $11,000. And from what I understand, that's the price of a full funeral, viewing, dress, uh, time for family to say goodbye. Mm -hmm. and I wanted her to have a Christian, uh, you know, graveside burial because she was a Catholic. Nothing. Mm -hmm. So I, after finding that grave like that, I've kind of made it my mission. She doesn't even have her name on the grave. I've made it a mission to make the place look good. I brought flowers. I put her name there. You know, she matters. And what they do with these courts is they target people like my mom who are defenseless. And they hold them hostage. I mean, she was isolated for so many years. And every time I get a Zoom, she knows my voice. I have a big, loud voice, so she knew it. And I tell her, hang in there, I'm fighting for you and stuff. But I think it just got to the point she couldn't hang in there anymore. Or 
they may have given her the cocktail. Mm -hmm. Because three days that are in a row that they record the property, she dies the next day, and then the next day after that, they want to dump her body and they want to get uh, the money. It's very telltale to something uh, dubious going on. I agree. I agree. Yeah. And, and it's funny that it all started to happen. I finally had enough. I went pro se and I filed for, um, it's a King's Bench petition in the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania. And uh, the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania has supervisory powers over the judges. So I did file a writ of mandamus in the Superior Court, but they kicked it out and they said, well, they don't have jurisdiction right now because there's no appeal running. So they said, take it to the Supreme Court. So on May 17th of this year, 21, I filed that in the Supreme Court. And um, they eventually, they, they were taking, uh, you know, filings back and forth. And I even tried to show the court what was happening with the property and how these people all work together to get the property and how they're trying to get the money. And then they dismissed my case. So right now that's um, under a reconsideration. So it's still active. Um, there was about six national advocates that filed rid of uh, um, no, amicus briefs in the case. So. Um, national attention and I'm hoping that the PA Supreme Court does the right thing and takes a really good look at this but uh, my experience with the courts is they don't mm -hmm. and one of my biggest gripes about the courts is that under the Constitution we have inalienable rights and if you look at that inalienable rights are not transferable to another person if you write like my mom did, that she wanted me to be her guardian if a guardian needed to be appointed. That's a choice a United States citizen makes, and that's fine. But to have the government come in and say, okay, we're going to annihilate all your choices. Mm -hmm. We're going to appoint who we want. That's unconstitutional. And I think all the advocates need to start working together in guardianship has to be abolished the way it's being run in all the states. It's an unconstitutional act. And we can't keep going along like, let's fix this little problem, let's fix that little problem, because they're taking that person's rights and they're transferring them to a stranger or a family member who's warring against them. Mm -hmm. And the bottom line in that is always to access the assets. You know, they, they burn through the assets, like pay, paying over, you know, $200,000 a year on something or, you know, just nonsense, just to burn through the assets. And there's always court allies that are making the money. And another challenge that I did is when a court appoints a for-profit business as, as a guardian, that person can't get away from that guardian. And in, in a way, and I'm pretty sure I'm right on this, I'm not sure, but that's a monopoly. Because the court is giving that one business all these captive client base. And that's a problem. You know, because in the normal world, if you don't like a business, 
you cancel your thing with that business and go find somebody who is going to do the right thing. In guardianship, you can't. You're stuck with this business that does whatever they want. They do false pretense billing. Uh, I can, and I'll say it out loud, Carol Hershey, she gets a captive client base where, you know, I could, her false pretense billing on my mom's thing would be like $500 to supervise me and her friends when we would visit her. She would charge my mom $500 to see her only daughter and her friends. It's crazy. That is, that is really, with all the turn of events, you know, I'm surprised that these judges haven't done something more about it. So that, that immunity thing that they have has to go away because it's, it's a protection that's not right because you actually have judges emboldened to say, I don't have to worry. I have immunity. And um, there's other laws that like are creeping into this arena. Like there's a law now that you, people can challenge a pro se litigant. And then the judge uses that law and just dismisses your case. And, and they're not following what the, the gist of that law is. They're just targeting pro se plaintiffs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They don't want you in there. You're not part of the legal community that's making all this money. So um, just like the attorney who has been targeting my mom since 2007, Alex Joukowsky, he has an office now that's directly across from the courthouse. He just sold his home uh, that was like a $900,000 home and bought a $2 million home mansion. He had a, has a place down the shore. He knocked down and bought a, and built a, about a $1.5 million mansion there. Like, where are they getting the money? Right. Um, yeah, this is just, it's thievery. Yes, it's, and, and it's not, everybody calls it legalized. It's not legalized. It's just unmonitored. There's no accountability. There's no, um, when you call the police, the Department of Justice, the Attorney General, the FBI, they all claim they don't have jurisdiction. So one of the things, like neglected care of a care-dependent person in Pennsylvania, the Attorney General does have jurisdiction. I tried multiple times to use the Pennsylvania uh, citations to the nursing homes to give them jurisdiction. I'm like, look, this, this shows the neglect. You have a Pennsylvania agency showing the neglect. Why won't you investigate it? They won't do it. And they do have jurisdiction. And um, any other place you call, they're like, we don't have jurisdiction. We have to be invited in. There's always an excuse. And any legislator you call, well, I have to get off the line now. I have another call coming in. I have to be in a meeting. Like, nobody's doing anything. You know, in Westchester, I I have hounded these legislators for years. And not one of them has done anything. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're in office. I asked them to do something about, you know, at least go in and uh, put some bill or something to protect these people who are in guardianship, nothing, nothing. 
And the more I'm exposed to this, I'm finding that the, the orphans court in Pennsylvania is the family court and they just do whatever they want with people. Right. So they, they're not run right. No. No oversight. So it's interesting that on May 17th, when I finally figured out and I tried to get into the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania a couple of times and I just got my petition mailed back to me, they finally accepted it. And that's what I was asking. I'm asked, still asking the court for that oversight. You know, if you have judges that are violating rules of procedure, they're violating um, laws, they're violating their oath of office, they should not be sitting in a court because they're going to do it to the next person and the next person and the next person. Mm-hmm. And in guardianship stuff, I actually witnessed, I was trying to help somebody else out, uh, and we went to the person's house to try to retrieve some stuff out of the house. And before the guardian had jurisdiction to sell the house, and this is Carol Hershey, she had a contractor already in the home that broke the walls out and all the things in the home were piled up in the center of the floor and the house was rifled through. There were everything of value, jewelry and stuff like that was taken out. And that's what they do. They short sailed that house for around 160 something, flipped it for 400 something, who got the money? It wasn't the, the, the woman who I'm, you know, I'm talking about. She didn't get the money. She ended up dying in guardianship too. And she was only in her 60s. So, um, That's terrible. Yeah. And it, and it goes on and on and on. And the more you speak out about it, you become more and more targeted. Um, because they don't want to be exposed in what they're doing. And it's so blatant what they're doing. Like even in our case, the judge would deliberately leave out a date. And then she would say, Mary violated a court order. But the court order hadn't even been written. So I would file a notice to the court. I would file something that she has to correct the record. She never corrected the record. And, and that went on during the whole course of the 12 years. And even on the property, I had learned that you can you can file less pendants, but judges have jurisdiction over less pendants, and they they strike them right away. So I filed what's called an affidavit of an interest in property, and that's under the rules of evidence. And even that was not it wasn't contested, and the house was still sold because that should actually cloud the title. Because you're saying in your affidavit that the property was unlawfully taken, that you are the true owner, and somehow this has got to be stopped. Mm-hmm. But it stops these people. Nothing. It's like there's no remedy at law. Nothing. Nothing. And, and I deliberately have filed in every possible court you can think of. I have filed federally. I have done writ of habeas corpuses. You can do a civil writ of habeas corpus. And then when you go to the federal level with that, the judge comes back and says that you're, like in our case, said that my mother was red. In other words, she was property of the state. 
And uh, he, uh, I filed, I think, two writ of habeas corpuses, and they were both dismissed. And even if you appeal it up to the, the Circuit Court of Appeals, it's still, it's like they're all in on the state. It's dismissed. It's all about the money. Yeah. And, and when you look at it, if somebody would sit down and look at it, where's the money going? Who got it? Why was it liquidated so fast? And then, like in my mom's case, they, they this guy, Cameron Adams, sat on this contract to buy the home since 2019. And then upon learning, and this is my opinion because I haven't gotten the evidence yet, but I'm working on it. Uh, upon learning of my mom's demise, quickly bought it. So it wasn't sold for her care, which is guardianship is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of stuff that's going on. And mm-hmm. then, then, you know, just in my mom's case, the long history of hell she went through, because when they started this in 2019, she was out on a cruise with a bunch of friends, a 10-day cruise. And then we had a constable coming to the house lying saying that he saw an old woman peeking from a a curtain and, you know, he couldn't get an answer at the door. And and it's provable at the time he's lying that she's out on the ocean, you know, on a cruise. But it didn't matter. It didn't matter. The false narrative keeps getting pushed through. And the ultimate person that we all have to hold accountable are these judges. They oversee these courts. They, they're not following the law. The hearsay stuff is entered. The, the false narrative is, you know, prevails. And like you said, it's all to get the assets, the money, the property, and in guardianship, they don't even care about the person they guardianize. I mean, the, when I watched my mother deteriorate, and there was no reason to, and it was because she was forced into that system, and that's why she's over in a graveyard right now. I'm so sorry. And you were telling me earlier um, that it had rained and the soil had sunk down where the headstone should be. Right. I, I actually got a little shocked when I went over there. I thought probably maybe they exhumed her because we asked for her to be exhumed after the Judge Bender the one who secretly had her buried. Um, we tried to get um, an autopsy done and they refused that. I actually thought that happened, but it didn't. So I actually filled in the dirt myself. <laughs> mm. It be like that. It was shocking. But to have a judge, Judge Bender was just, he's freshly elected he's in the Democratic Party, making all these promises to people. And then he goes and does a heinous thing like that. Just dumped my mother's body like she was a piece of garbage. Right? He wrote an order. I was never sent the order. I guess they faxed it to the, to the funeral home. I have no idea. Gone. And another thing that's happening around this is I am named the executor. And I am the trustee of the trust. And they are keeping me from filing those documents. The Chester County uh, Orphans will not let me file the documents because on this, 
the 17th when my brothers filed for the money they filed a paper called a caveat so that's a will contest so after you know my my mom's lawyer testifying that all the, the dance directives were signed notarized they were legitimate here we are you know years and years later where they're still saying oh no they're not legitimate so you know like advanced directives are really good to have for some people it might help but if you're caught in the guardianship system uh, they're just gonna if they want to access the money they're just gonna ignore them and the thing is this can happen to anyone anyone's family yes and I don't think it's I don't think it's an age thing. I think that they do pick on the elderly because they're more vulnerable and they can't fight. I think in our case, they never imagined me sticking it out after stripping me of my life savings, stripping me of my car, stripping me of my home, stripping me of my belongings that I would still stick it out. But I am because somewhere somehow if this case gets investigated it will light the light up on what is really happening and how guardianship is being it's it's a welcome mat for predation mm -hmm. it's a total welcome mat and when you sit in the courts sometimes which i've done and you watch what goes on it, it, none of it is legit i i have never witnessed any legitimate you know court action so far but it is what it is, you know, what, what, unless we get more and more people to realize that, okay, it may not have happened to you yet, but it can. And our generation and the next generation coming up, we got to do something now or they're going to come after all of us. You know, it'll be, they, they got rid of the one generation, the greatest generation, like my father fought for this country, he went to Iwo Jima, Okinawa, Guadalcanal. He fought to keep this country free. And then as soon as he dies, his wife is being abducted. You know, it, it, that's insane. Mm -hmm. You know, th these judges have an oath of office and they're violating that oath. But there's nobody to stop them. There's nobody doing anything about it. So if we could get some kind of accountability and mostly i think we have to go federal when it comes to guardianship to stop what's going on and i do realize that it's not just guardianship it's these family courts they've just not watched enough we found that even in guardianship there's supposed to be ada accommodations if they're claiming that this person has a disability then by law, federal law, they are supposed to make ADA accommodations so they can be heard. Due process is about being heard. It's about confronting the people who are making claims against you. There's no accommodations. There's nothing. Well, I hope things can change. You said there were several amicus briefs written on your mother. Yes, it, uh, that's Supreme Court, PA Supreme Court case that I filed, um, I think it's 54 MM 2021 is the docket if somebody wants to look it up. Um, National advocates have filed amicus briefs with the court to show 
this is a nationwide problem that some of the advocates who filed even lost, uh, like you mentioned, Barbara Stone, she lost her mother to this heinous act. And uh, other advocates have lost family members and everybody's working so hard to try to get something done and stop this. So I'm hoping that the court reviews those amicus briefs and realizes this is not just one daughter making complaints. Because with that false narrative out there, they smear you and then to everybody they distribute that false narrative to you, they make they try to make you look crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, use all these false things against you. You're you're this, you're that, and none of it's true. And what they're basically doing is using a false fictional character and then stealing your identity and putting your name to it. Mm-hmm. And the way they've done it and they and way they do do it they've done it a a bunch of times because they're pros at it and then how they quickly distribute it you don't have a chance because like me and my mom went to the supermarket and they handed it to us she went to fill a prescription and the supermarket handed it to us we were what then she wanted to go to the bank they handed it to her (laughs) it's ridiculous Mm -hmm. And, and and one of the rules, I don't know if in, in other states, but in Pennsylvania, that the, any the orphans court stuff is supposed to be confidential. But then here's the here's the thing that gets me is when it goes to the superior court, the superior court puts their thing on the world wide web. Yes, they do. Yes. So mm-hmm. where's the confidentiality in the orphans court? They, 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 and I think that's deliberate too, that they are putting this false narrative on the World Wide Web to legitimize the theft. And, and it's supposed to be confidential. Mm-hmm. And the lawyers, when you challenge them in other arenas or other courts, all of a sudden they show up with the documents. Where are they getting them? Mm-hmm. There is no, they claim there's confidentiality for one thing and then for another thing it's not. <laughs> oh geez. Well you know Mary, I'd like to have you back on the show. Okay. You know, um so you can update us on what's going on. Um how can you be reached? Um I have a very simple it's long but an email address and fraudulent guardianships at gmail.com. And I'll put that in the podcast notes as well. You're on Facebook too? Yes. Uh, I actually have a page for my mother. It's free Mary Bush's mom from a fraudulent guardianship. And Mm -hmm. I didn't change the name, even though she has succumbed to this abuse, uh, just because the name's out there. And there's a lot of um, people who read the articles and things that are going on with guardianships. So I just left it. Well, at least we have been educated and so very, very sorry about what was done to your mother and was done to you too. None of this should have ever happened. It's not only that. You're, like I had a front seat view of watching my mother get harmed and hurt 
and even hearing her screaming from her own home and there's nothing I could do. Mm. And even like the money, I was the trustee of the trust. I couldn't stop anything. And the trust was liquidated illegally. And there's nothing you can do. And if you, as pro se, you can't represent a trust in the courts. You have to have an attorney, which is crazy because you are the trustee. You are the pro interested party in protecting it, but they claim you have to have an attorney because the trust itself is a separate entity. So it needs an attorney. Well, I just, I'm just not shocked. How about that? Because these courts are just, you know, as you said, the judges are not held accountable and with the stories I hear really almost nothing, I hate to say nothing phases me, but it's, there's just so much corruption that, it, that I'm not surprised. Right. And, and when you start to connect, who knows who? Mm -hmm. um, Carol Hershey even admitted having ex parte communication with the court and nothing is done about it. You know, you can file uh, discipline complaints with the disciplinary board they do nothing you can file judicial conduct complaints they do nothing and even in our case when I filed a, a, a disciplinary complaint against Alex Joukowsky he brought it into court as evidence against me mm. and the judge allowed him to do it so the disciplinary board actually gave him my complaint like how is that okay <laughs> Yeah, right. So I, you know, it makes a record in a way, but it's a record that goes nowhere when you file with those agencies. So that's why I decided to file in the PA Supreme Court for its oversight of judges, and uh, that's pending. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. And I'll have you back on so you can keep us all updated because this is a very, very big case. And everyone needs to know that this stuff is going on and it's real. Yes. And it's beyond harmful. The guardianship my mother was put in is why she's dead. Mm -hmm. And we've lost, we've now lost her life savings, my life savings, everything my father worked for. My father built the house that's taken and everything of his was in the house. It's gone. We have nothing, nothing. My grandmother's things, everything. Mm. And it's interesting that, and I've even told this to the state police, why would this Cameron Adams have such a, horrible attitude toward me if he was not connected to these people why wouldn't he just say oh i'm sorry i didn't know your things are in the house here you can have them right now, he's deliberately dumping he's deliberately driving by with trucks full of stuff and laughing and Terrible. i i got a pic i got a video of him that's on my facebook page of where he drove by in his company vehicle and stopped to make uh, nasty comments to me and then drove off. And the state police said that's not harassment. But it, 
Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Why I went public with that because the court didn't do anything about his behavior. The police didn't do anything about his behavior. And that's what I'm subjected to. That's part of what I'm subject, subjected to because of speaking out. Mm -hmm. uh, I encourage everybody, speak out, get involved. Let's get something done. Let's, let's stop the carnage. Mm -hmm. There's no way my beautiful, innocent mother should have had to die alone and the horror of the way she has. You're absolutely right. Oh, I'm so sorry. It's a difficult case, but it's like I have to speak out so they don't take another quiet, modest, old-fashioned woman and do what they did to her. Mm -hmm. Now, even like the sexual things that went on made her withdraw inside herself and to have the district attorney here in Chester County to tell the state police to stand down is ridiculous. And I, they even did the same thing when I asked them to investigate what was going on at Park Lane. They told them to stand down. So why? Mm -hmm. Why a, a, a district attorney that's um, charged with protecting its citizens stand down when there's evidence that the harm is occurring? They don't even look at the evidence. And everything I filed in the DA's office, they just throw it away. And then I even got phone calls from the DA's office. We're not looking into anything further of your mother's case. That's it. You're done. Oh, that's so wrong. Oh, boy. I, I really hope uh, the Supreme Court does not disappoint you. Well, I have no faith that they're going to do the right thing, but at least I I have filed in every possible court. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I worked really hard to make a record, and I try to ignore the smear because the smear is a false narrative, which is the pattern and practice in these cases. They will always smear the legitimate person, the, the person that is going to stop the liquidation, is going to stop the harm to the person. Like I even tried to, you know, when I got my mom out of Park Lane via 911, no one was going to do nothing. The pain from her broken, she had a broken ankle mm. was excruciating for her. And nobody would do it. I actually pushed a wheelchair up to the director of a nursing, Debbie Ferry, and said, what are you going to do about this? She said, I'm sorry, honey, you're not the guardian. I'm like, you're kidding me, right? Mm. And Went back up to the nurses' station. I said, "Who's dialing 911? Me or you?" And we got her to the hospital. She was so relieved to be out of that park lane too. But then the employee came back and took her back in, and that was it. Then they started targeting me. We'll make sure you. They actually said to me and my mom, "We'll make sure you two never see each other alive ever again." And they did it. And I, ho I hope everyone listens to this and really pays attention because what happened to you, like we have said, it can happen to anybody. Yeah, and they have to be aware, too, that there are doctors, nurses, nursing homes that are in on this. And, and I've caught doctors billing Medicare, or Medi I think it's Medicare, 
and they didn't even show up to be there because I was there with my mom every day. So I actually called the insurance company and said, look, this doctor wasn't there that day. And, and nobody looks into that. That's fraud. Mm-hmm. You know, and that, that goes on in all these cases. They're parasitically attached to these guardianships because they call the person a cash cow. Because they know there's an estate there to liquidate. Right. And then the people who are warring against the estate, write a check, write a check. They don't look in, did the service occur? Did the the person, is the person being taken care of? No, they're just writing the checks and emptying the accounts. Another thing too, there's no real accountability. Pennsylvania put in a, uh, a thing where they have the guardians have to file electronically and they're still not really checking to see if the person's being taken care of or if the money's being held properly. Mm-hmm. Well, I will have you back on the show. Uh, don't jump off. Um, Salam the Gavel is a podcast to help the public understand what really goes on in these family courtrooms. I'm your host, Marion Petrie, author of Dismantling Family Court Corruption, Why Taking the Kids Was Not Enough, and Cry Out for Justice, Poems of Truth. And please join us again for another exciting episode. Thank you, Mary. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Definitely.